You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hey everyone, welcome. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we're nearing the end of a sermon series, our sermon series called Paradigm Shift, and I'm so excited to be bringing the Word of God for us today. Um, and my prayer is that as we continue to journey into 2021, that there would be a God shift in every area and aspect of our lives as we continue to trust God and put our faith and our hope in God. I wanna start by saying that a paradigm shift is a powerful thing. A paradigm could be a pattern, it could be uh, an idea, it could be a model, it could be a set of ideas. A paradigm could be a perspective, a standard, a way of looking at things. It is like the underlying belief that anchors everything in your life. Your paradigm then affects multiple things in your life. Uh, Your priority system, that which you perceive as important, uh, stems from the paradigm or the belief that you have. Your response system, the way that you respond to things that happen to you and around you, they uh, stem from the paradigm, the belief system, that you have, the way that you process and deal with things that happen to you and all around you, they stem from the paradigm that you have. Your decision-making, what you perceive as moral, uh, your stability, all of these things, they flow from the paradigm, the belief that you have. Now, our experiences in life and all of the information that we are being exposed to throughout our lives They then help to develop the patterns, they help to develop the ideas, the standards, the perspectives that cause us to then step into a level of truth. Now the mistake that we often make as human beings is that we look at the pattern and the idea and the standard and the view that we have um, and we say that our perception of what is in front of us is all there is to what's in front of us. Uh, There's a doctor by the name of Dr. Thomas Kuhn who is uh, credited for this uh, concept of a paradigm shift. And he used a particular image to explain what is meant by paradigm shift. And I've asked the team to pull this picture down and I want you to look at this picture and I want you to ask yourself, what do I see? What do I see? Some of you may see a duck. Some of you probably look at this picture and you see a rabbit. The beaks of the duck now become the ears of the rabbit. Uh, Some of you probably see both of those things and others of you probably only see one of those things until someone actually shows you how to look at the picture differently. You see, the way that you saw the picture, the drawing didn't shift. The lines on the drawing didn't shift, but your perception shifted. The way you saw the picture began to shift. The image isn't dependent on the shift in your perspective though because regardless of whether you see it or not, the duck and the rabbit is there. But in order to see both of those things, you need to have had experienced what is called a paradigm shift, a change in your perspective. A paradigm shift is a powerful thing. I'm sorry, Bex, am I preaching too hard already? Amen. A paradigm shift then means that you are changing the pattern. It means you are changing the model. You are changing the way that you look at things. You are changing the way that you view something. You're changing the way that you look and think about something. Your view is shifting. Your understanding is shifting. Your mindset is shifting. You can either complain because the rose bush has thorns or you can rejoice because the thorn bush has roses. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in need of a major paradigm shift. Turn to the person next to you and say, get ready for a paradigm shift. 
And if you're tuning in today and you're by yourself, you ought to tell yourself, self, get ready for a paradigm shift. Amen. The message I want to share to us this morning, uh, today is simply this. What do you see? What do you see? And I want to share from the story of 12 spies uh, there in the Bible. There, there were 12 spies who were sent out to explore the land that God had promised the people of Israel. After years of bondage, years of slavery in Egypt, God promised to deliver the people of Israel out of bondage, out of slavery, out of Egypt, and promised to bring them into the promised land, this land that was flowing with milk and honey. You see, the people of Israel, they weren't strangers to seeing the hand of the Lord at work. They had seen him do so many miracles and do so many things. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw water flow from a rock. They saw the manna feed multitudes. They saw the Amalekite army being defeated. They had seen it all. God was good to them. God was faithful to them. God kept his promises to them. And so on their way to the promised land, they come to this place called the wilderness of Paran and it is there where they set camp. Now, the wilderness of Paran is right on the edge of Canaan. In other words, the people of Israel were able to look across the river and see the land that God had promised their ancestors. They were positioned for victory. All they had to do was to go in and take the land, go in and take Canaan. The people of Israel knew all about Canaan. They had heard about Canaan through Moses, through the word of God. And it's there on the screen, Exodus 3 verse 8, it says this, I have come down, this is God speaking, to rescue them, Israel, from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, the promised land, Canaan, it was a land of their victory. It was the land where they could finally be free. It was a land where they could finally rest. And so here they are at the doorstep of Canaan, and it is there where we pick up the story of the 12 spies. Numbers 13 verse one to two says this, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. God is saying, send 12 men to explore the land that I am giving. In other words, it's a done deal. You don't have to do nothing more but explore and survey the land, but the land Israel is yours. I'm giving it to you. And so Moses sends out the 12 men and here's, here's what he says. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops that you see. Simple job. Just go in there survey the land, see what it's like, come back with the report, give us some facts, tell us how it is. They go in and they begin to explore and survey the land. And the Bible even says that they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes on it, so big that it took two of them to carry this cluster of grapes on a pole in between, uh, between them. But they came back to Moses and Aaron and all of the people of Israel and they bring back the report. Here's what the report says. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But, there's a shift there, the people living there are powerful and their giants, uh, people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. 
We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Nej, the, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. At this point, the report is factual. It's what we wanna hear. State the facts, tell us how it is, give us a good and proper report. But while they're giving this report, this guy named Caleb, one of the spies, he starts to chime in and here's what he says. Let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it, but, another shift there, the other men who had explored the land with them, they disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. They've gone from stating facts to stating opinion. And so they spread this bad report across all of Israel, and here's what they continue to say. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. First of all, if the land devoured anyone who goes to live there, how come y'all made it back? Second of all, you've gone from saying all the people living there are powerful but the land devours anyone. Third of all, how do you even know that they thought of you as grasshoppers too? They've gone from facts to opinion, but even worse, they began to exaggerate their opinions. The story goes on to say that the people of Israel began to weep. They began to cry all night. They began to protest against Moses and Aaron. They even started saying things like, we should have just died in Egypt. We should have just died in slavery. We should have just died in bondage. Actually, we should just die here in the wilderness. Why did God even bring us out here? Did he bring us out here to die? And so Aaron and Moses, they fell face down on the ground before the people of Israel. But, another shift, the two spies who had also explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, they began to tear their clothes and this is what they said. The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Let me ask you today, do you see an obstacle or do you see an opportunity? Do you see an obstacle or do you see an opportunity? The people of Israel were going into Canaan. They were going into the promised land. This wasn't their idea. It wasn't Moses' idea. They didn't just stumble upon Canaan. It was part of God's plan. God, God led them out of uh, Egypt into the promised land and they were there because God led them there. When you follow God, when you pursue God, when you do the will of God, when you are being led of God, God it doesn't, don't necessarily mean that you are exempt from obstacles in life. No, the truth is just like the Israelites, we will face obstacles in life. There will be challenges, there will be trials. But you see, when God begins to use people to show His glory and His power, He don't necessarily use comfort. He uses trials, He uses obstacles, He uses discomfort, He uses challenges. All throughout the Bible, we read stories of people who faced obstacles in life that then became opportunities to grow their faith as God's power was put on display. In fact, if they never went through an obstacle, 
we probably wouldn't even know their name. Job, he lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost everything that he had, but he continued to put his trust in God. His perseverance was rewarded. Joseph, he faced an obstacle. His brothers, they tied him up, threw him in a pit. They even sold him into slavery. But that obstacle became an opportunity because he went from the prison to the palace. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, three Hebrew boys, they refused to bow down to this golden statue that a king had created. They were thrown into a fiery furnace, an obstacle. They faced an obstacle, but that obstacle soon became an opportunity for God to show His glory and His power as He delivered the three Hebrew boys out of that fiery furnace. We, name, we, we may not be able to control uh, what happens to us, but we can control how we respond. Your response stems from the paradigm that you have. Your response is determined by the belief, the perception, the perspective, the paradigm that you have. Do you see an obstacle or do you see an opportunity? A few weeks ago, I was standing in Countdown and I was standing in line, I was buying me chicken and cheese, don't judge. But as I was standing there, uh, there was a lady in front of me and she had this trolley, this, you know, those little trolleys and they, it looked pretty full and uh, she was looking around and she looked like she was waiting on someone to hurry on over. Anyways, while we're standing there in line, she gestures over to me and she says, you go in front of me, you only got chicken and cheese in your hands. So I went to walk on over and I really felt God say to me, use the remainder of the change of the money or the cash that you've got in your hand to pay for that lady's uh, shopping. And so in my mind, in that moment, I did not have a paradigm shift. I had a paradigm fit. Uh, my paradigm was being challenged because my perspective, my experience says that if you're out here standing in line with the trolley looking that full, sis, you must have the coin to pay for your, for your food. And so I'm having this internal battle with God and I'm saying, you're not gonna do this to me. You always do this to me. You always make me do this. No, 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 I'm saying this and back and forth. Because you see, I'm saying all of this because I see a situation that I don't really like. I see a problem. I see an obstacle. I see a challenge. But God is out here saying, son, I see an opportunity. And so then I come to the counter and I say to the girl, you hold the change and you know, use it to, to help pay for this woman's um, groceries. And so then I dash out of there and I rush out and I get to the exit of the countdown and I hear someone hollering me down. She is shouting me down. She's running on over. She's got tears in her eyes and she's crying. And she's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. You may not know this, but all I knew was that I didn't have money to buy the, the, you know, the groceries, but all that God said to me was, go into countdown Begin to put things into your trolley that you need by faith. I've already sent someone to go before you to pay for your food. And so I'm standing there. She's got tears in her eyes. I've got tears in my eyes. We, we start to pray and then off we go. I was holding on to my perspective. I was holding on to my perception. I was holding on to my experience. I had eyes, but I couldn't see beyond my perspective. I knew what I saw, but I needed to see what God saw because what I saw was a limited view, but what God saw was a panoramic view. He knew how this was gonna pan out. He saw the beginning right through to the ending. I saw an obstacle, but God wanted me to see an opportunity, an opportunity for me to grow in my faith, an opportunity for me to step out onto a level of truth, truth that says that obedience is better than sacrifice, truth that says that when you give, it'll be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over poured into your lap, truth that says that with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. It was an opportunity for me to lean on God, to trust in God, to be less about me and more about blessing somebody else. Just as it was with the 10 spies, 
who only saw the obstacle. Church, the devil's intention is to try and keep you fixated on the obstacle. He wants you to be intimidated. He wants you to be afraid. He wants to keep you from entering into Canaan. He wants to keep you from trusting God, keep you from growing. But I came to expose every lie of the enemy right now. And I say that where you see an obstacle, I declare a paradigm shift because that obstacle is an opportunity for you to grow. That car that you're trying to pay off, it ain't an obstacle, it's an opportunity for you to grow, opportunity for you to learn to be better with your money. That boss that you don't like down at your job, he's not an obstacle, baby. He's an opportunity, an opportunity for you to grow in forgiveness, to grow in love. That child that you can't seem to settle in the store, he is not an obstacle, ma. He's an opportunity, opportunity for you to grow in patience. Tell me, what do you see? Do you see an obstacle or do you see an opportunity? The second thing I wanna ask you today is, Do you see yourself as a grasshopper or do you see yourself as a giant killer? Not long after Caleb pipes up and says, come on, let's take the land, 10 spies began to cop out. They saw what Caleb saw. They confirmed, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. But instead of joining in with Caleb and affirming his call to take the land and take action, they began to cower away. From stating facts, they began to exaggerate their opinions. Ain't that funny? You know, when someone is afraid of change and immediate action, they begin to exaggerate. They go from sharing facts to exaggerating their opinions. Suddenly, this land that was flowing with milk and honey is now a land that devours anyone who goes to live there. This land that devours anyone who goes to live there is now full of people of great size. How can the land flowing with milk and honey have people of great size and yet the land devour its people? You see, the real issue here is that they don't know who they really are. The spies saw themselves as inferior and inadequate. They, seemed, they said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked like the same to them. These spies looked at the giants and they said, you are so much bigger than we are. It had everything to do with how they saw themselves. Instead of seeing themselves as powerful in God, because they had seen what God had done, they saw themselves as small, tiny, insignificant and weak. They began to embrace the grasshopper mentality. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, but God wanted wanted them to see themselves as giant killers. And so because they saw themselves like grasshoppers in their own eyes, small, weak, inadequate, they began to act like grasshoppers. They began to cower away. They began to hide. They began to go away in fear. And so they would have been perceived as grasshoppers. They were defeated before they even started. That's what the grasshopper mentality does. It defeats you before you can even start. Oh, I can't give towards that. The economy is bad right now. I can't take that job opportunity. I don't have a degree. They'll never accept me. I'm brown. They're white. I'm from the hood. They're from the boulevard. I'll never fit in. I'm just a four-course driver. They all work in the office. You see, the grasshoppers will always have the facts. But whatever happened to Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise keeper, light in the darkness. Whatever happened to, if God is for us, who can be against us? Whatever happened to, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Proverbs 23 verse seven says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The majority saw the giants. We are smaller than they are. The minority saw the giants and they said, our God is bigger than you are. 
you gotta be careful that these giants don't give you a grasshopper complex because that's what the devil wants. He wants you locked in a grasshopper paradigm so that you can't seem to shift out of the wilderness and into the promised land. But I came to remind you today, you're not a grasshopper church, you're a giant killer. You are the righteousness of God. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ. You are a child of God. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That thing may have the size, but you've got the strength. That thing may have the physical advantage, but you've got the spiritual advantage. That thing may have everything but God, and you may have nothing but God, but God plus you is the majority. When God called Gideon, Gideon had a a, a grasshopper mentality. He said, me, no way. I'm the least in my family. I only work at a wine press. What could you possibly do with me? God wanted him to see himself as a warrior. When Moses even had a grasshopper mentality, I have a speech impediment. I stutter. What could I possibly say to the people? But God used Moses to lead the people of Israel out of slavery. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but sometimes God will allow those giants to come into our lives so we can remind those giants who the real grasshoppers are. That addiction that you've been battling for so long, it is not a giant. It ain't nothing but a grasshopper. That temptation that keeps popping up in your life, it's not a giant, it's a grasshopper. That fear that keeps holding you back from stepping into Canaan, it's not a giant, it's a grasshopper. That voice that keeps saying to you, you are not good enough, nothing but a grasshopper. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a giant killer or a grasshopper? The third thing I wanna ask you today is this, do you see through fear or faith? Do you see fear or do you see faith? It was fear that caused the 10 spies not to take the land that God had commanded. It was the fear that caused all of the Israelites to believe this report and not take the land. It was fear that caused a man named Elijah to run away and hide after he heard about what this woman named Jezebel did to all the prophets of God. It was fear that caused the disciples to stay on the boat when Jesus came walking on the water, but it was faith. It was faith that caused Peter to step out of the boat of comfortability, the boat of experience, fixed mindset, religion, tradition, fear, and step into the water of the unknown. Fear and faith, church, cannot coexist with one another because fear is the lack of faith. But the Bible says that faith is being certain of what we don't see. It is the confidence that God is working behind the scenes, even if I don't feel it, even if I don't see it. It is this faith then that God desires for us to see. It is this faith that God desires to grow in us. And the only way that we grow this faith is by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The opinions of faithless people, church, is not gonna grow your faith. The wisdom of man is not gonna grow your faith. It is the reading, the hearing, the studying, and the meditating on the word of God that is going to build your faith. Just like it was with the spies and the Israelites, the devil's intention is to try and diminish the word of God in your life. Because if he can keep you from hearing the word of God, you will continue to see fear. You will continue to stay in the boat when God is calling you to step out onto the water. You will continue to say no when God is wanting you to say to when God is wanting you to go. Earlier this year, Pastor Haley Barrett paid for me to jump off the Manukau Harbor Bridge. And it was a birthday gift, but I didn't want to do it alone. And so I paid for my brother James Powell to do it with me. It was good fun, but we get to the top and one of the guys begins to ask us, uh, are you guys all ready to go? And it was in that moment that all these stories that I had heard of these jumps that had gone wrong 
they came into my mind. And in that moment, I had a decision to make, either grip onto these stories and allow the stories to uh, cause me to shrink back in fear and cower away and not do this bungee jump, or release and loose my grip from all of these stories and trust that these guys knew what they were doing and that this rope was strong enough to hold me. I had a decision to make, either to see fear or see faith. Fear says no, faith says go. Fear says impossible, faith says with God it's possible. Fear says what if, faith says even if. Fear says worry about it, faith says I'm gonna worship through it. Fear says where will I find the money, faith says God will supply all of my needs. Fear says you are alone, faith says I'm never alone. Fear says it depends on me, faith says it depends on him. Fear says death wins, faith says death has already been defeated. Faith cancels out fear. It's interesting, isn't it? These 12 spies, they go out as one team, but they come back as a team of two. You've got the majority and you've got the minority. All of these men, they went to the same place. They traveled the same route. They experienced the same view, but they saw two completely different things, two completely different paradigms. One saw the blessings the other saw the burden. One saw the grapes, the other saw the giants. One saw the rabbit, the other saw the duck. One saw the opportunities, the other saw the obstacles. One saw fear, the other saw faith. The difference between the two, between the majority and the minority was vision. Vision sees beyond. Vision sees ahead. Vision thinks about the future. Vision empowers you to overcome fear. Vision is the thing that gives purpose to your pain. You can have sight but not have vision. There is a quote that says, a man without a vision is a man without a future and a man without a future will always go back to his past. When you don't have vision, you will always choose to take the easy way out. When you, but the Bible says that where there is no vision, people perish. And this is why we need a paradigm shift because we're not out here trying to perish. We're not out here trying to take the easy way out. We're not out here trying to go around the same mountain. We're not out here trying to go back to Egypt. We've been delivered from Egypt. We're not out here trying to die in the wilderness. No, I'm trying to get into Canaan. We're trying to get into Canaan. And if it means we gotta come up against some mountains and some giants, then come at us because you best believe that we're coming prepared. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but those giants in your life, those obstacles, those challenges, those hurdles and impossibilities that are staring you in your face, they are not what they seem. You may see an obstacle, but God wants you to see an opportunity. You may see yourself as a grasshopper, but God wants you to see yourself as a giant killer. You may see fear, but God wants you to see faith. The story of the 10 spies goes on to say that the people of Israel chose to listen to the report of the majority. They chose to disobey and not trust God's word. And so for another 40 years, the people of Israel wandered around in the desert. A whole generation perished in the desert and they never got to see the promised land. All because they saw obstacles and not opportunity. They saw themselves as uh, grasshoppers and not giant killers. They saw fear and not faith. Their lack of vision led them to their destruction. Church, I don't want you to make the same mistake that the Israelites made. I don't want you to forfeit your Canaan, the place of victory, the place of rest, the place of God's blessing and settle for the wilderness. I don't want you to forfeit your Canaan and go back to Egypt. The next time you find yourself on the verge of a breakthrough, the next time you find yourself at the doorstep of opportunity, the next time you are confronted with an obstacle or a circumstance, I want you to ask yourself this question, what do I see? 
And after you've stated all the facts, after you've told it like it is, after you've been real and honest about how you feel about what you see, you need to get ready to shift that thing because now you need to ask, what does God want me to see? How do I know what God wants me to see? You gotta go to the Word of God. Learning to see what God wants you to see involves replacing our beliefs with the right beliefs of God's Word. Anchor your thoughts and emotions on the unshakable Word of God. You may look at your life and you may say, I see myself living for myself. I see no hope, I see no future, I see no point, but perhaps God wants you to see a life in Him where there is purpose, a hope and a future, a life that meant so much to him that he would leave the splendor of heaven and come to earth so that you may have life and life abundantly. You may look at Christianity and you may say, I see nothing but religion. I see nothing but a set of rules. I see nothing but perfection. But perhaps God wants you to see a relationship, a relationship with him that is all about grace, a relationship where you realize that God loves you unconditionally. You may look at your relationships and your friendships and you may say, I see myself as unlovable. I see that something is wrong with me. I see myself as needing improvement. But perhaps God wants you to see that relationships and friendships are a gift. And because of that, it takes the burden of self-improvement away. It takes away the feeling of needing to be perfect before you deserve a friendship or relationship. You may look at your finances and you may say, I see a shortage. I see resources that are depleting. I see not enough. But perhaps God wants you to see uh, godly provision in spite of the shortage, in spite of the depletion an opportunity for you to trust in God, to put your faith in God to provide for you. You may look at your community and you may say, I see nothing but gang violence. I see nothing but domestic violence. I see nothing but poverty. But perhaps God wants you to see a people in need of a savior, a people far away from God, a people who are in need of healing, a people who need to be introduced to Jesus. How has your vision been lately? You see, the story doesn't just end there because this man named Caleb, he never lost sight of the promised land. He only ever saw opportunity. He only ever saw himself as a giant killer. He only ever saw faith. And so 45 years later, the people of Israel have now occupied the promised land. Caleb is an 85-year-old man at this point. He comes to Joshua, who is now leading the people of Israel, and here's what he says. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as well as I could. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. The very obstacle that the 10 spies were afraid of, the very thing that caused Israel to forfeit Canaan, was now the very thing that Caleb is asking for. But he realizes that he is, it is only possible through God. That's what vision does. It sees things the way God wants us to see. It sees opportunity instead of obstacle. It sees yourself as a giant killer instead of a grasshopper. And it sees faith and not fear. With every head bowed, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for reminding us that things aren't as they appear to the natural eye that you are working in all things for your glory and for our good. I pray, Lord, that this year, 
we will be able to see things like never before. I pray for a paradigm shift in the way that we see things, that we will no longer accept the limitations of what our natural eyes see, that we will see right through the temporary things of this world, but we realize that apart from the power of Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, those things are impossible. And so I pray, oh God, that you would heal our sight. Open the eyes of our hearts, oh God, so that we may see that which you want us to see. Father, I pray that you would begin to lift the scales of natural sight off of our eyes, that we would begin to see things through your eyes. We surrender ourselves, we yield ourselves, we submit ourselves, Holy Spirit, to your working. Reveal to us, move through us and do that which only you can do. We thank you, God, that as we place our trust, our hope and our faith in you, we will continue to live a life of victory. We honour you and we love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Don. How good was that message? I'm so glad that you all got to hear it today. Hey, I wanna take a moment right now uh, before we end our service and I wanna speak to a particular group of people. Perhaps you're watching today and it's your first time ever hearing about God, about Jesus. It's your first experience of church or maybe you've been to church before or you've been watching online for a while, but you've never actually made the decision to give your life over to Jesus. Well, I wanna speak to you this morning because this is your day. See, God loves you. He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. And He wants nothing more than to have a relationship with you and see you walk out in fulfillment all that He has for you. But the problem is, is that we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all get it wrong. We turn our backs on God and His way of living and we go our own way. We do our own thing. The Bible calls it sin. And that sin, it separates us from God and it prevents us, it gets in the way of us having a relationship with Him. But He was so desires to live in relationship with you that He came up with a plan. And that plan was to send His Son, Jesus, to come and live a sinless life on earth and die a sinner's death and pay the debt that you and I would do so that we could live a brand new life with Him and spend eternity with Him too. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. And I wanna extend an invitation to you to pray that prayer. Maybe you've prayed it before. And if you're really honest, you know that you've walked away from God and you're not living with Him right now. Or perhaps it's a prayer you've never prayed. Wherever you are in your journey with God, I wanna invite you right now in every home, wherever you're watching this from, your car, wherever you are, I want you to, to invite you to come and pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, but you can if you want to. You can just pray it in your heart, but I want you to make it your own. I want you to mean it with everything that you've got. Are you ready? Come on, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. Thank you that you have forgiven me today. I choose this day to follow after you. I turn from my old way of life and I turn to you now. Thank you that you have given me a new purpose and new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.